Hello, everybody. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. My name is Russ Farshtick. And welcome to The Resties, where the rest of the best discuss the best of the rest. This week, we're talking about Gunbrella, a 2D action game with a twist of platforming and a sprig of Metroidvania. We're also going to be talking about the Unity News, which if you don't know what that means, congratulations. And if you do, well, welcome to the horror show. We're going to dig into that. But before we do any of that, Fresh, I have news for you. Oh? I have another job (gasps) that I didn't tell you about, separate from the besties and the resties. And separate from Polygon, I'd imagine. And separate from Polygon, Because I knew about that one. You know, I, I hoped you did. We founded it together. Yeah. Um, I am now on the board at my local indie movie theater, truly becoming my evolved Pokemon form of um, movie snob. This is, this is what it's all been aiming towards. Everything else was merely a step, a rung in the ladder, if you will. And now I've, I've achieved my goal of working at a nonprofit. And feels pretty good. I'm not going to lie. You know, just handing out popcorn doesn't count as being on the board, right? That's true. That's true. I, well, you know, I, I didn't eat popcorn for about, I don't know, like 20 years of my life because when one of my first jobs was at a movie theater and I scolded my hand <gasps> on the popcorn machine, blood everywhere. What? Gross. And they're, they're, they're like, don't worry about it. You just don't let anybody see you. Go in the back and, and put... Uh, nacho chips in the nacho chip containers, and it'll all be okay. What did they do with the bloody say, popcorn? I, I I didn't do it. I I couldn't go through with it. I was the, it. the blood was all over the popcorn. Oh, the yeah, it was. Well, no, they got rid of that because that was obvious. But they also I, I didn't keep the nachos around either. This they like they were the king of shortcuts. They uh, so you know like behind uh the movie theater concession area, right? There's a floor, and then the floor there's like usually grating, um, where all How of to the catch Dutchess, like soda and stuff. Yeah, all of that junk, right? Yeah. And we had the grating, and we had the kind of like pipe where that goo would go. Yeah. But we didn't have anywhere for the pipe to lead. The pipe just was a pipe. So uh, after after shift, we would pull up the grating, and you would take old uh, like big mega drink cups and you would scoop no. out the goop and put it into the trash no Isn't the, it's so gross horrible i know i know oh and this is the, this is the movie theater you're working at now correct no the movie theater i work at now is a delight it is um it, it's called the frida cinema plugs okay. it's in santa Ana, california so if you live in southern california or la you should come out and it is it's like the most old school type of movie theater. It's literally in downtown. It's two screens. It mostly shows like old kind of weird stuff and then like a little bit of new indie stuff. That and like Chris Plant. It, it is. It, I, I truly feel seen every time I walk in there. It makes me so happy. Except for this week, they were playing The Searchers, the John Wayne movie. And I'm like, no, I've not seen it. Do you know the airport here is named after John Wayne? I did. He, know, I've landed at that airport. So, yes, I'm, I'm familiar with that. It's a weird thing. 
We're kind of going all over the place. But needless to say, I just wanted to use this as an excuse to plug a movie theater because it would be great for more people to go there because that makes it healthier, which means more opportunities to do stuff that I could be a part of. So Now, I know you're talking financially healthy, but from uh-huh. a internally healthy standpoint, what would you say is the like snack of choice at this movie theater? For me or like what's probably the best selling snack? Uh, for you and then for- best selling. Best selling? I don't know. For me, I'm a big fan of the Reese's Pieces. Oh you know? yeah, okay. You know, like sure. you, you get the you get the small popcorn, you get the Reese's Pieces, you pour a little bit of the Reese's Pieces in, shake it up, eat, and then just keep doing Wait, that. Wait, you pour the, the popcorn? Oh, I guess that's salty and sweet kind of thing. Yeah, I don't like the new. You know what? I don't like the new candies. The like <laughs> the um, it's like cotton candy puffs. Uh huh. That's no. You I'm liked sorry. it back You're, when candy was simple. When you candy know? was candy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do realize that like Reese's Pieces were once news new candies. Yeah, but now they're old candy, so they're okay. Uh, yeah, that I, no, I, I follow that logic. While we're Red here, vines because... or Twizzlers, Chris Plant. Very important question. For me? No, for the movie here. What do they carry? Which one? Oh, I actually don't know. I, I, well, I'll be honest. I haven't taken a close look. It's going to determine a lot of whether I'd actually attend this I'll movie send a too. photo next time I'm there, and I'll include it in the newsletter for people to like judge our, our food options. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe people can give us some recommendations of what we should stock. That would actually be kind of helpful. Oh, my God. Um, very quick, before, I, before we move on, because we should move on, what is the number one movie that you would like me to play at this movie theater whenever you come and visit? Because you're going to do that eventually. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, number one movie, Monkey Bone. Oh, good call. You were you were ready with it. Do you think that we could get like Brendan to come down? Of course, do a he's interview? he's just because he won Best Actor doesn't mean he's too big for Monkey Bone. That's true. You're never too big for Monkey Bone. Is what I like to say. Amen. Anyway, let's take a break. Okay. Okay, we are back, and we've got a weird one. This game is called Gunbrella, and it is kind of what it says on the tin. It's from developer Doinksoft, who... uh, (laughs) I want to say Doinksoft as well, because that is a fun developer name. It's a great name. They made Gato Roboto. Yeah, that was the game that I played of theirs previously. I played Gato Roboto and quite enjoyed it. It was like a lo-fi Metroidvania, and we all know how much I love Metroidvanias, but you were a cat, which was cool. Who could get in a robot? Who could get in a robot? It was kind of like a Master Blaster Metroidvania vibe. And I think Devolver published that, but this is even more of a Devolver game in that it is ultra-violent, but also super cute at the same time. And stylized, heavily stylized. And very stylized. Do you want to give kind of summary of how the game works? Sure. Well, narratively, you are a person whose wife gets killed... <laughs> by someone wielding a gunbrella, which is, you know, it's the it's the thing that Penguin uses in Batman Returns. It's a gun oh, yeah. slash umbrella. And you find that device, uh, I guess, next to her dead body, and you take it and go on basically a murder rampage to try to figure out who uh, did that. So I guess it's part detective, part murder rampage. And... Uh, the way it plays, it's a 2D platforming, exploration-heavy kind of detective action game, I guess. 
with yeah, like, I wouldn't put too much emphasis on the detective, other than you. you thematically, follow. you are constantly given like detective esque things to uncover, like figure out where this person is or figure out the password for this thing or whatever it is. It doesn't feel like a detective game. You're right, but I guess those yeah, are closer I, to side quests than anything. There, else. there's the the way that they gate areas is by going to places and then they will say things that will then unlock other things and that yeah. fits the story. But there's not like a detective mode. Correct. You know, it's nothing like that. It is much more interested in the violence and really the movement. So the way that the Gunbrella works is it shoots naturally, kind of like a shotgun blast. And it's a certain range. It's like a short to mid-range blast. And then when you trigger the umbrella part, that umbrella can either shield you um, it can ricochet bullets back to the targets if you kind of parry with it. Or, and most interestingly, you can use it to jump high into the air. So you can kind of catch the gust of wind with it, I guess. Mary Poppins style. And that It kind of launches you, you in yeah. like a direction of your choosing. Yes, in any direction. You're right. Yeah. And um and also the the umbrella gunbrella grinds rails. Yep. Um, up and down, full Tony Hawk skater style. So it, it's a, it's a very like fun, propulsive means of of getting around these little screens. Yeah, it feels like really good to move around this world. I'm actually like not surprised that it got turned into a full game because the immediate like 30 second loop of like using this umbrella, shooting a guy with the shotgun, and then like latching onto a grind rail, wherever it is, feels awesome. Like, they really nailed the, like, movement of this game. And oftentimes, for these sorts of games, that's one of the hardest things to pull off is just, like, making it feel good to move around the world. Yeah, it's kind of everything else that doesn't work as well for me. Well, and, and, well, and yeah, I guess I should say up top, there's nothing egregiously wrong with this game, it, but it's, like, a lot of small inconveniences that I kept pushing against, you know? He, yeah, sure. Well, I guess, uh, well, why don't you mention one of them and we'll go from there. Yeah, so, I, I mean, when we first saw it, I think, I don't know about you, I was expecting sort of a Metroidvania. That's what I thought just, based on the screenshot, look. based on their previous work, given Gato Roboto, but also just like looking at the game, it looks like what a Metroidvania would look like. And it, it it's not that, and it's fine. Most definitely, it's not that. In fact, I feel like I could use more not Metroidvanias, just 2D action games in my life. The trouble is the world is designed like halfway between a linear action game and a Metroidvania. Yeah. So there's a, like quite a bit of backtracking and um, not always knowing where you are, which is made even more confusing because there's not a good mapping system or a... I don't think good, there is a mapping system, yeah, quite honestly. <laughs> or a fast travel system other than like there's trains that can take you from town to town. But... I pretty often want like the deeper I got into it, the more frustrated I got with having to backtrack through things. I mentioned to you, and this is like not, I think, a common thing. I think this is a really weird, fluky thing, but I actually got stuck kind of in the world <laughs> because of where I had saved and then going back and playing it. I didn't realize that a certain box had like literally trapped me in an area. And I burned, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes, half hour realizing that that was broken that said i don't think like that's a common thing i just think by having a map 
or fast travel, those are the sorts of problems that you just kind of almost instinctually work your way around if they mm -hmm. happen in other games. Yeah, I think for me, my issue is more along the line, because like, honestly, the game does, we talked about locomotion, which I think is great. The like overall look, like the pixel art is fantastic. Mm -hmm. The music is great. It's got this jazzy, like vibey soundtrack to it that like doesn't sound like a lot of other games that are that are around right now. So I was like super vibing with the overall presentation. And I think, you know, we talk about like Devolver games and what they look or sound like. And I think this is very consistent with that. I think what bummed me out about the structure of the game was just because it made what was otherwise like a world that I would want to get lost in feel very small. It feels mm. very like directed and linear. And, but it doesn't have the density of like a Contra or something like that where the levels are like, very handcrafted like minute to minute there's just like a lot of both emptiness but also like um claustrophobia in and it just like doesn't really have a thrill of exploration it's more just like oh i found the thing you know it it, it, it structurally it just doesn't really land for me which is it's a bummer because of all the other things that are really working for me yeah and that that is like the kind of oddness of it is i still feel like i could recommend it to plenty of people if like if you look at this game on steam or switch or wherever else you could find it and the general look is appealing to you and the idea of just using a literal gun umbrella sounds fun and you need kind of a distraction i think this game meets that which i know is like faint praise but there aren't i don't know i don't feel like i come across a ton of games that are in this kind of zone like i mentioned earlier a lot of these are Metroidvanias that do ask of a different kind of like patience from you. Yeah. So when when the game is singing, when I am zipping around from like place to place shooting evil alligators in the face, it feels really fun. It's just that it it feels so uh contrary to the kind of energy of the game to then have these points where I'm backtracking or going to a town and talking to people and it kind of slows things down in a way that really doesn't amount to much in my experience other than like okay well then this is giving me permission to go to the next fun bit yeah it does feel uh gated and, and just kind of silly ways because you're not you know the traditional again metroidvania loop is like you're finding upgrades and items to like get you further in the world there are none in this game. You know, it's not a Metrovania, so I get it. But like, you're not like, it's not gear gating or anything like that. If anything, it'll just be like, oh, you found this key or this ticket and you can go to the next area. But you're you're not getting like increasingly cool mobility options or anything like that. The only like permanent upgrades you'll find are you'll get like damage upgrades for your shotgun or you'll find like more health. But Outside of that, it's it's very light. Uh, in fact, there like are other bullets that you can fire from your gumbrella, but those are all like single use consumable items, which also seems like very weirdly implemented. Like, you know, I I felt like I couldn't use those because they were very expensive, and it felt wasteful to like burn ammo unless I like really really needed it. So it just seems like there's a lot of like design decisions that feel odd and not necessarily fitting which is really surprising just because Gato Robato was like 
I thought really well designed and made like a lot of really smart integration decisions of like, you know, how you're moving through the world and how the cat can like latch into the suit versus not. It just felt like more of a holistic piece. But I do think like presentationally, this is much better than that. So it, it's hard to say exactly what happened here. Yeah, I I wonder how much the release date for a game like this impacts how people receive it. Not not saying we're reviewing it or criticizing it differently because of what we're playing, but more for people out there who are choosing what game they want to get right now. There are so many options. Like it, It's actually just overwhelming how much stuff we've been picking through for these two shows over the past month and a half and probably another month and a half moving forward. And I, I still don't understand why games like this get dropped into busy windows yeah. because i i think this game is way easier for me to recommend when there's not a lot of stuff out um but when you have just an, an, a bevy of choice whether it's large games or smaller ones um one of which i'll get to in a, in a bit it's yeah it, it just seems like really unfortunate timing and uh, especially a game like this that feels like maybe even like a little bit more time in development could have maybe smoothed things out. That's some real, I don't know how games are made <laughs> um, talk, but but it, it does feel just a little rough in certain places. I think it's more, uh, my read of it, I think it's a scope issue and this is probably figured out very early in design, which yeah. is like, how big is this game going to be? And I think they probably went too small with it and then had to like, make something that like touched all the bases of what they were trying to do, but in a very linear way. So it is kind of living in both of those worlds in, in an awkward way. Again, we don't know. We're yeah. not the developers. We're just speculating. But like, I, I, I agree with you. Like in a slower period of time, it probably would be a little easier to stomach. And honestly, like so many indie games make so much money after the fact when sales drop and stuff like that that it wouldn't surprise me if this game sort of saw a second life. But I think for right now, it's it's kind of a little bit of a tough sell. Cool. Well, yeah, I think people should... I think you should consider this game. I, I think it's worth taking a look at. Also, I, I feel like we didn't mention the Lovecraftian visuals and monsters throughout all of it. Probably oh, yeah, there's like squids and giant like rats, demons and... It's all sorts of wacky shit in this game. It's weird. Yeah, it it, it it does kind of like carve an interesting tone between extreme uh, gory Lovecraftian uh, goop and very silly. Um, I know that Gunbrella from, you know, the, the carve of its symbols. I worked on it 34 years ago and I gave that Gunbrella to a friend, um, which is interesting it's not good or bad it's just it's kind of just strange um yeah i think people should give it a look and then kind of go from there yeah uh any there is any a final thoughts worth. oh that's good yeah i mean i mean also just getting the like the chance to feel the action is cool as hell you, I, was it the starfield episode where you talked about um the kind of strangeness of that Todd Howard quote about like, yeah, we figured out what was fun about this game, you know, pretty recently. Oh uh, yeah. You know, there was an article, I, I think it was GQ or something. And he basically said that the game wasn't fun until about a year ago. Um, 
which I understand, like in AAA, that happens to some extent because if like all the pieces need to be put together. But like, if that 30 second loop is strong, the game just moving around, even if you're not actually doing anything, will be fun. And I it think goes it was, a long way. I, I think, like, yes, I think that's our kind of point with this game is there are some real rough edges here, but that core. <laughs> feeling of zipping into the sky with your umbrella and then blasting Cthulhu or whatever in its snout it just feels so good that Cthulhu's snout I guess what would you call the mouth tentacles tentacles yeah snout? I guess they're just tentacles hey yeah, like an wanna... octopus doesn't have a snout <laughs> do you want to go on to the next segment Please let's the next move segment? on. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about uh, some stuff. Hey, uh, y'all, listener, uh, thank you f- so much. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about all this unity um, zaniness, uh, awfulness, and maybe a fresh is cool with it. We will also talk a little bit about the recent Nintendo Direct because I have some feelings about it. So we will see you on the other side. Okay, we're back. You wanted to talk about the Unity stuff. I didn't, I mean, I didn't want, it's not a joyful discussion, but it is an important discussion. And I think for people at home who maybe have heard about the outlines of this discussion, but don't fully understand it, I I thought it'd be beneficial. Yes, and, and people might be wondering, Hey, Unity, if they know, if you know about it and you do not design video games, it is an engine. It is a tool used to create kind of power video games. Yeah. Unreal um, is a competitor of them. Uh, there's a number of game yeah. engines. Game Maker is another one. And you might be wondering, like, what does this have to do with me? How does this affect me? And how does it affect the people who make the things I love? And I, th- I think we'll be able to answer that. So I hope so. Can you explain just like top level what happened? Okay. So Unity. Most people are able to get up and running with a Unity game for free without paying a single dime. And that's honestly still true. You can make a game within Unity. You can download it and make a game in Unity, and it won't cost you anything. That's a, that's true of um, Unreal as well. You can make a game in Unreal. won't cost you anything. And a number of other uh, options that are essentially free from the jump. But... The hook is, what are you paying long-term? And I'll give you a frame of reference of Unreal and what Unreal charges long-term if, for example, you make a bunch of money. So for Unreal, if you make an Unreal game and your revenue is over $1 million, which is very rare, but if it is, Unreal is owed 5% of that and obviously scaling up. So if you, you know, $5 million, they get 5% of $5 million. Okay, so just... Recently, Unity announced a new model for revenue for them to make money off of their product. And basically, it's going to charge developers that use Unity every single time your game gets installed. Now, this only kicks in once you've had over 200,000 installs and you've made over $200,000. But once that happens, any installs after that, Unity is owed a certain amount of money. And the amount of money changes based on what like level subscription. But for most developers, it's going to be 20 cents per install 
over that number. It's a little complicated, but I'm going to paint a scenario why this is like a big problem for a lot of indie developers. Let's say, for example, that you have a successful indie game that was made in Unity and you go and make a deal with Microsoft to get your game on Game Pass and Microsoft pays you, let's say, $50,000 and your game goes up on Game Pass and a ton of people play it and then you realize, oh no, because it's such a huge hit on Game Pass, I actually owe Unity far more than the $50,000 that Microsoft is paying me. So in the end, you actually end up owing money because you've made this deal with Game Pass. Now, Unity will say that you actually do not owe the money. It's Microsoft that owes the money in this scenario, and we will be going to Microsoft. Now, if you're Microsoft and Unity is coming after you, you could either A, ignore them, possible, or B, you could pass the extra expense on to the developers that you are trying to sign deals with where you'll say, oh, your game is made at Unity? Well, we're going to have to uh, add some padding to that, so we're only going to pay you $10,000 to make sure that there's still room to pay Unity at the end of the day. That's not ideal. Uh, There are other scenarios that are unlikely, but certainly possible if, let's say, for example, you make an indie game that... um, has a trans character in it and a bunch of right-wing publications come out against it and push against it to the point where they realize that your $1 game that has a trans character in it could be pirated and downloaded over and over and over again such that it would end up costing you money because all these people are installing your game regardless of whether they're paying for it. Like, that's another horror scenario. So there's a lot of like huge X factors that could come to play because of this pay per install thing. And Unity just seems to keep uh, leaning into it in pretty awful ways such that I don't know that they walk back from this because I don't know that a developer will be willing to work with Unity moving forward because they will worry, rightly, that Unity will change their terms of service, which is what they've done here, and not giving people enough warning to back out of using their product. Yeah, I mean, I think it puts a lot of developers, especially indie developers who have not had success and have not been able to, you know, accumulate some savings and in a really tough place. Because you do have to learn how to use these engines. You know, they're not switching from Unity to um, Pico 8 or Game Maker or Unreal, sure. yeah, it, it, it's doable, but it is not just like some easy switch right. that you just do right away, right? And the cost of, say, that you've been developing a game for five months or a year or maybe longer, and you are thinking about switching it over, that that's a pretty legitimate cost, both in terms of, you know, buying yourself the time to do that, but also the cost of learning how to even use this system. But But you're right, like... It is hard to think of many examples where a company potentially damaged so much trust. Because really what they what they showed, even if they walk back all of this, and they they've kind of started to walk back some of it and by the time that this episode airs, who knows? This could be in a very different situation in terms of what their business model is. 
But what's troubling about this is they showed it's a possibility that like this is a thing they could do. And especially when you think of anything that would potentially try to push this retroactively, immensely, immensely uh, upsetting. It's really scary stuff. Uh, for developers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is why uh, for folks who are still using Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, might have seen some of their favorite game makers saying, hey, we're taking our game off of Steam Gen 1. Um, yeah. If this is in effect, we don't want to be tied to this in any way. Yeah, the Cult of the Lamb developer said that they'll just remove their game because it's made in Unity, and they're worried that it'll end up costing them money if this goes through. Uh, the developers of Slay the Spire, uh, Megacrit, basically made an announcement saying they've been working on a new game for the past two over two years, and they are, as of right now, definitely working to change their engine because of this. They actually said, we have never made a public statement before. This is how badly you fucked up. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. And yeah. it, it's, you know, it takes a lot of people to make bad ideas like this. But it is um, unfortunate that the CEO, the current CEO of Unity is John Ricciatello, who was the CEO of EA during the period where I think it, it took a pretty sharp decline. Um, during the period where I, I, I think that was the same overlap of EA being, quote, the worst company on the planet, which, to be fair, I don't want to give too much credit to that. That was a lot of, like, spike campaigns by trolls pre-Gamergate. But... He was not making great decisions at EA. He's now not making great decisions at Unity. And this was when he took over this company as CEO, the great fear. Because I can remember around when Polygon was founded, Unity was really making a, a play to be the upstart in the field and was making a, a legitimate challenge to Unreal. Again, this is before Epic had all the Fortnite money. They were seen as the one for indies, as it was easy to use. It wasn't going to fleece you. Um, it, it allowed you to do a lot of 2D in interesting ways. That it was, it was the good engine. <laughs> and, you know, Epic at the time was the big corporate overlord. And, and still is. Don't get me wrong. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> it, but what I think, I think what, it, what Unity did and what just competition does in the market is it, I, think i suspect drew epic in to making better deals for users with yeah. the unreal engine making better rates giving people the 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 i think it's like the free version that you can use up until that price point and that's a good thing about competition in the market for a thing like this part of what concerns me about unity going through this is not just the immediate what's going to happen to all these games and these developers but what will it do to the market to not have competition if it were to to continue on this path? Um, it would suck. Yeah. It sucks like on so many, so many levels. Yeah, it's definitely scary. I mean, the the I guess bright spot of this is if you're interested in making games, again, we mentioned Unreal, which is obviously the big one from a 3D game standpoint. But uh, there's also Game Maker, which costs $50 a year, and then you just have it. Uh, RPG Maker is just like a $25 one-time fee. And Pico 8 costs $15. And all of those are like great. I mean, they make 
traditionally 2D games in those engines, so they're not like necessarily 3D engine building things, but they are options if you're interested in getting into that and potentially terrified of like getting into bed with someone like Unity, which is making these decisions. But you're right. I mean, Unreal had the luxury of gobs and gobs of cash coming in from Fortnite and various other things that allowed them to make Unreal so competitive. And I think Unity doesn't have that luxury. So they are, I'm sure, up against the wall financially. But doing this is only going to make things worse for them. So um, again, even if they back it down, I don't know that we're going to be able to uh, walk back from this and not have people remember, oh, is that a company I really want to be working with for the next three years or five years or whatever it is? Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. I I, I will say with the other... um tools that you recommended those are definitely going to be for like smaller games for the most part game yeah and honestly if you're for people that are just getting into game like you should be using those anyway like you shouldn't be making an unreal game from the jump yeah Uh, i mean experiment away you know but i i do agree that like making something in pico 8 pico 8 um the original version of celeste came out that's right like it is a game jam version so i i do agree that like Something a little simpler is a, a nice starting point. Um, yeah, Unity's a mess. Can we talk about a good thing? Can we talk about Nintendo? Please. So Nintendo Direct happened uh, relatively recently. And I just want to talk about the Nintendo strategy and why I think it is so clever and it works so well. And that is we got a Nintendo Direct. It did not have a brand new Mario um, in like Mario Odyssey level. It did not have a Zelda. It didn't have a Metroid. But it had a ton of things for very specific audiences who I think felt in, like completely served. The example, obvious for, obviously, for me, there was a new Vanillaware game. Vanillaware is the company that made 13 Sentinels. It's a tactics game, so Frustic will actually have to play it, which Maybe. is... Great. You're going to love it. It's going to be your favorite game. But I felt throughout the entire presentation that it wasn't always a game for me like Mario and Donkey Kong, but then that's a game for you. Um, And then there's Paper Mario uh, The Thousand Year Door, which I think is one of the most beloved uh, RPGs that is also extremely difficult or expensive to play. Um, and now you'll be able to do it on the Switch. Uh, F099, I am just delighted by. As like somebody who loves old, old games, who would never play normal F0. But I saw that and I felt like, hey, you know what? They know exactly what type of weird sicko I am, and they are targeting me precisely, even if I only play it for a couple of hours. Yeah, people are people are kind of reacting. Uh, there was a mixed reaction. I think uh, someone described it as mid. But honestly, it's like, I don't know what you guys are expecting from Nintendo at this point. They're obviously at the tail end of the life cycle of this new of the switch. Like we're there. You know, I think we all agree the likelihood of there being a switch two next year Seems likely, although we've obviously said that for the last few years. The fact that there are new releases, whether they are like remakes like uh, Luigi's Mansion 2 or Thousand Year Door, or like new new releases like the Peach 
game, which I don't even understand what that game is, but it, it does star Peach, and that's a rarity. Um, the fact that these are still coming out is like really exciting and cool, and it, it's great to see. Like, I you know I don't know what people again are you know I'm sure people wanted Silk Song, but at this point I was thrilled that Silk Song wasn't there because I know how busy it is. I don't have time to play Silk Song right now. Yeah, so and, and I'm and I'm happy that alongside you know two Mario RPG remakes, we're also getting something as weird as a remake of the Nintendo DS game Trace Memory, which is like yeah real cult game in in the states. And then, yeah, Princess Peach Showtime, where Princess Peach gets to be a sword fighter and kung fu master and detective, and I'm sure many and other cook. things. And a cook. Just weird stuff. Nintendo continuing to be weird. I am, I'm thrilled by that. I, I, this, I don't know, like, these are the sorts of Nintendo directs that I really look forward to, where it's just a bunch of weird surprises and I know all of this stuff collectively could eat up months for me versus the like third, you know, Pokemon direct or yeah. the second this or feels third like Yahtzee. Zelda direct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, like they're taking a handful of dice. They're throwing it down. Some of them are going to be sixes. Some of them are going to be ones. And, uh, you know, whatever. Like just as you, you'll probably have at least one thing that kind of piques your interest. And that's really all you need for a even in a 40-minute presentation, if one thing lands, they've done their job. I was going to say, were there any ones? But then I I, I saw that Contra game, which I, I feel bad about this game because it's being made, it's developed by WayForward. WayForward knows how to make great pixel art, but it's a 3D game. What Does Konami have something against Contra? Do they not want it to be cool as it could be the game might still play fine yeah it might play okay but yeah the, that 3d art looks a little rough i just can't imagine hiring a studio that's that good at 2d pixel and you're like great we're giving them contra and they're not gonna do pixel art it's been so long since like a new contra game a new good one wasn't there a one like one. three years ago that was oh maybe i don't even remember anyway i i thought it was really nice i i agree as far as these things go with the nintendo switch winding down its life cycle if if that means we're going to get some of the uh greatest mario classics getting remade and uh widely available after being super expensive for a long time that's awesome and if that means i have to try mario versus donkey kong I'll, i'll i'll give it a shot i'm that game is good i i loved the original which was just called donkey kong (laughs) on the original game boy and then it was mario versus donkey kong and then they turned it into mario versus donkey kong march of the minis which i really didn't like it was like more of like a logic puzzle thing that was not fun i don't know i'll be interested to see if this ages because i remember being impressed when i played it on game boy advance Uh but obviously things have progressed quite a bit since then isn't the game called donkey kong just donkey kong no no it's not Weirdly, the it's a Game Boy game where you are playing as Mario and it has the same format of like these 2D side-scrolling levels uh-huh. and it starts like normal Donkey Kong where you're going up the, you know, the levels and then um, at some point it just sh- turns into, after like Donkey Kong falls off the building, it turns into these levels which are like you're finding keys and you're like, going across ropes and stuff like that and it like turns into a whole other kind of game 
with like actually pretty good controls. So weird. Huh. Okay. This was the first time Mario did a backflip was in this series. <laughs> he had never done a backflip before, even before Mario 64. That's crazy. Trivia. That's really good. Um, yeah. Cool. Should we, should we wind things down? Do you have any, mm-hmm. any honorable mentions or anything you want to share? Um, no, I don't think so. Nothing? You haven't been enjoying I mean, anything? What have you been watching? What have you been, how have so, you been entertaining no, yourself? Honestly, like every night is just Baldur's Gate. It's oh, just yeah. been like me, like my wife plays on the gaming laptop. I'm playing on PS5, separate campaigns. And we just sort of like, and I'll be like, hey, maybe you should uh, clear out the goblin camp now. Mm. but I'm really trying not to nudge her in directions, but there are certain things that like I need her to see. Cause I know she'll only play it once. And, um, you know, there, I don't want to spoil it. For are you going to play it multiple times? Maybe like five years from now. Okay. Cause, the, cause, cause Larian has a tendency to do the like definitive edition where mm. they like fix a bunch of bugs and blah, blah, blah. but more so than any other game that I've played in recent memory, as I'm playing this, there are so many moments where the game can branch off in interesting ways or I could like make other choices that I like really want to see what happens if I like murder this guy instead of like helping him out or like how does the game not fall apart at that point? Did you I'm, see like, Pat really Gill's curious. YouTube video on Polygon? Intentionally not because oh I was worried well, about spoilers. You, no, you, you can watch it because nothing in the game happens after it's all limited to like the first half of the first act. Oh, okay. Up to the goblin camp. Okay, and I'll watch it then. Yes, he kills like every, in one of the playthroughs, because it's three different styles of play, he just straight up like murders characters before they even talk to him. Oh, yeah, and, I, I played Dark Urge. The first time I played it was on Dark Urge and I cut Gale's hand off oh, yeah. like by accident. I was like, oh, I need to restart. This is not going to work. <laughs> oh, I probably should have done that. Gale drives me nuts. That's like the Just one don't use I him. don't need. Yeah. yeah I but, like Gale. Yeah, but he's like, then he's at my camp always asking for me to feed him, you know, like necklaces or something. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a lot. He's got a necklace problem. He does. He's like a whole thing. Um, yeah, I, I will be talking about this a whole lot more on this week's besties, but I've gotten into Lies of P and I am shocked how much I like it because I am a person who always plays a sorcerer in like Dark Souls type of games. Easy mode. Easy mode. Yeah. And then if I'm not doing that, I at least roll a whole lot. And in this game, rolling completely ineffective it is a game where you need to learn how to parry and i'm doing yet, a lot of rolling huh I'm, i roll a lot in this yeah game. yeah i'm amazed that you are having any luck it i think i know why we'll, we'll talk about it on the on the episode okay. but i think okay. i know why you're failing at rolling okay 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 it, it's not just tapping the button twice to do a roll i do know Correct. how to do that um but yeah it, it is it's really enjoyable and yeah I, I probably shouldn't say any more because i guess i should save that for the rest of we're the doing episode. a full episode we're doing a full episode on about it but what i can say right now is i'm really enjoying it and enhance I, your p organ is something that's yeah, said guess, in this game <laughs> i mean there's a lot of weird shit said in this game <laughs> this game is it, it's you know it, it is both a brain game and a weird game at the same time um uh cool that's it I think we've done an episode. Do, I don't think we know exactly what we're going to talk about next time. I think we know definitely not what we're going to talk about in two weeks because we haven't really planned it. But yeah, I'm sure it'll be great. That's, and it's probably embargoed even if we could. 
Probably, so, yeah. hey, thank you all for listening to another episode of The Resties. My name is Christopher Thomas Bland. My name is Russ Rustic. And we are The Resties, where the rest of the best discuss the best of the rest. Resties. Resties. You almost got it that time. <laughs>